Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve salatu ve selamu ala khatibil enbiyai ve mursalin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in amma ba'in. So inşallah tonight we will cover very briefly a few ayat. Inşallah just so that we do not lose our momentum and uh, our istiqama in coming for this Mubarak Majlis to listen to the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, listen to the Qur'an and the message Allah ta'ala is conveying in the Qur'an. Uthi Azimuddin has gone for Umrah, so we hope Allah ta'ala makes his trip uh, accepted in his court, makes it easy inshallah, and I'm sure he is making dua for all of us inshallah. So, this is um, by no means any any substitute for the original program. <laughs> it's just going to be inshallah, uh, try to keep it brief and and may Allah accept all of you uh, who, despite the weekend, uh, the, despite the holiday season, have still uh, took out, t- uh, taken out time to come. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Falamma qadha Musa al-ajala wa sara bi-ahlihi anasa min janibi al-turi nara. Qala li-ahlihim kuthu inni anastu nara. لَعَلِّي آتِيكُمْ مِنْهَا بِخَبَرٍ أَوْ جَذْوَةٍ مِنَ النَّارِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَسْطَنُونَ فَلَمَّا أَتَاهَا نُودِيَ مِنْ شَاطِئِ الْوَادِ الْأَيْمَنِ فِي الْبُقْعَةِ الْمُبَارَكَةِ في البقعة المباركة من الشجرة أن يا موسى إني أنا الله إني أنا الله رب العالمين وأن ألق عصاك فلما رآها تهتز كأنها جان ولا مدبرا ولا مدبرا ولم يعقب يا موسى أقبل ولا تخف إنك من الآمنين أسلك يدك في جيبك تخرج بيضاء من غير سوء وضمم إليك جناحك من الرهب فَذَانِكَ بُرْهَانَانِ مِنْ رَبِّكَ إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَئِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ قَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي قَتَلْتُ مِنْهُمْ نَفْسًا فَأَخَافُ أَنْ يَقْتُلُونَ وأخي هارون هو أفصح مني لسانا فأرسله معي رد أن يصدقني إني أخاف أن يكذبون قال سنشد عضدك بأخيك ونجعل لكما سلطانا فَلَا يَصِلُونَ إِلَيْكُمَا بِآيَاتِنَا أَنْتُمَا وَمَنِ اتَّبَعَكُمَا الْغَالِبُونَ صدق الله العظيم
So Alhamdulillah, we had reached that point last week where Usta alayhi salam, Shu'ayb alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought Musa alayhi salam to the house of Shu'ayb alayhi salam. Shu'ayb alayhi salam was granted the title by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, as Khatib al-Anbiya, a very, very uh, senior prophet. Allah ta'ala granted him long life, uh, a wise prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we must have covered in the previous weeks, he was the one selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do the tarbiyah of Musa alayhi salam. So this was the hidden uh, system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how he arranged it, uh, the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Musa alayhi salam to end up there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for his worldly needs that he got married. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for his tarbiyah and for his sustenance as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is the one who's pulling the strings behind the scenes all the time. Uh, sometimes we see his wisdom and it's very apparent to us, it's understandable and many times it is beyond our understanding, beyond our perception. We wonder why this is happening and how this is happening. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always has a plan. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-hakim, the wise. And it is said that الْحَكِيمِ لَا عَنِ الْحِكْمَةِ The action of the wise is never devoid of wisdom. We may uh, appreciate that wisdom sometimes and it may be beyond our understanding many times. So likewise in our own lives, um, there may be ups and downs. Um, there may be different challenges that come along. And they are all there from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to build us up uh, for our development depending upon how we approach the situation. For Musa to be deported or exiled from Egypt and then for him to end up here, this is all from the Father of Allah. The guiding hand of Allah is behind every, every step of this path. Um, so that whole discussion of how he ended up there was covered and then the nikah offer was made by Shu'aib and he agreed on the condition that he will spend eight years or ten years. Over moving forward now, in the next ayah, Allah Ta'ala says, Falamma Musa al-ajal. So when Musa alayhi salam, he ended up completing the term. Right? Qada Musa al-ajal. Ajal is the appointed term. So in the grand scheme of things, all of us also have an ajal. And that ajal is the appointed time from Allah Ta'ala. Not for a work or a job or a degree to graduate, but there is an ajal with respect to our life. So one of um, the different terms for death itself in the Qur'an is ajal. So ajal in this larger scheme is referring to what? Appointed time on this earth. So just like um, if there is any contract, for any particular service, there may be a period of time. Whether one is leasing something, you lease a car, you lease a home, it has an ajal. This term comes in, in contractual law in fiqhul buyur, where if you are renting anything, you have to have a, a period of time that you are going to be um, using, utilizing those services and you will be charged accordingly. So that is called ajal, ajalun ma'loom. The time period for that contract has to be stipulated. It can't be, I'll rent it as long as I 
feel comfortable as long as I want to live here in this neighborhood. As long as I have my job, I'll rent this. If, I, if and when I resign or get fired, then, then my re- lease expires. That is not permitted. Why? This is called ajal majhul. It's an unknown ajal. Ajal ma'loom is specified. Unambiguous. Stipulated. Determined. So we all, uh, so just like when you're renting a house, there's an ajal. When you're renting a car, there's an ajal. When you're buying, there's no ajal because it go, enters into property upon closing. There could be an ajal in the payment though. So if you're paying uh, in installments, there could be the, an ajal that the payment must be made within this period of time. So all of us in this world, we also have an ajal, we have a period of time. And uh, whenever there's contractual law, in, we know that the fiqh stipulates the ajal must be known. But uh, when it comes to our ajal in this dunya, it is unknown. Like how long are we going to be staying here in this world? When is our time up? Only Allah knows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about individuals. Each individual has an ajal. And a ummah as well. The whole nation, the qawm, has an ajal in the, in the books of Allah. Allah ta'ala says, لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ Ajal. Every ummah has an ajal, has an appointed time. Ida ajaluhum, and then when that appointed time comes, appointed time for returning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your time that was allotted for you in the dunya is, is now come to an end. Then it can either be preponed or postponed by a moment, by an instant, by a second. So this is ultimate reality that our time of death, time of returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is stipulated and Allah alone knows when that is. It cannot be moved for an instant. So this is one of the greatest ironies of our existence. That the most undeniable truth is the most forgotten truth. Everyone is going to go back. The zalim and the mazloom. The oppressor, tyrant and the victim. Like nowadays there's so much tyranny, oppression taking place that it's sickening to even look at the news and we can comfort ourselves by this fact that subhanallah there is a maliki yawmiddin there is a master of the day of judgment who is watching, who is recording and uh, the madhum is returning back to Allah but the zalim the, will also return back to Allah likulli ummatin ajal everyone has their appointed term and Allah will judge between them the madhum will be rewarded so much for their patience the dhalim will be taken into account by Allah Ta'ala. Anyway, going back to this, فَلَمَّا قَضَى قَضَى means to spend it, complete it. So when Musa alayhi salam completed his ajal, his time that was sent for, was, certain, uh, was, uh, was determined. There's a question here, was it 8 years or 10 years? Because it was mentioned in the previous ayah, فَإِنْ أَثْمَمْتَ عَشَرًا فَمِنْ عِنْدِكَ Right, if you go back, he says, um, if you finish 10 years, فَإِنْ أَثْمَمْتَ عَشَرًا That is additional bonus. So, um, he gave him an option though. أَيَّمَ الْأَجَلَيْنِ قَضَيْتُ فَلَا عُدْوَانَ عَلِيهُ Whichever, see this أَجَلَيْن, two أَجَلْس. Whichever one of the two أَجَلْس, whichever one of the two term periods I fulfill, there should be no uh, reproach or blame on me, no excess against me. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى مَا نَقْبُولُ وَكِيلٍ And Allah is a witness to what we are saying.
So whether you say Allahu ala ma naqulu wakil or you don't say Allahu ala ma naqulu wakil, both scenarios Allah is always ala ma naqulu wakil. Right? Whether you did, you say that look Allah is a witness to what we are saying or you don't say Allah is a witness to what we are saying, Allah is always a witness to what we are saying. Um, so what's the point of saying that? The point of saying that is um, something which which is supposed to be in the back of our mind comes to the fore. Something which may be in our subconscious mind becomes in our conscious mind. Something we may have forgotten, we begin we we uh, focus on it. Why do we focus on it? So. The purpose of course is, wow, Allah is watching, Allah is listening, therefore I should not make a statement against the actual facts, which is the definition of a lie. Al-bayan lima huwa khilafu al-waqi'ah. Expressing something contrary to the actual reality is a lie. The curse of Allah upon those who lie. So you're reminding yourself, wow, Allah is, is listening, Allah is my witness. And that is actually what the essence of swearing by Allah is. When we say wallahi, meaning Allah is my witness that what I'm saying is the truth, I swear by Him. And may He punish me if I'm lying. And I open myself to His adab and His curse if I'm lying in what I'm saying. That's what it means when you say wallahi, billahi, tallahi. I swear by Allah. Wallahu ala ma naqulu wakil. And this is why it is one of the akbarul kabair, most major of the major sins. Shahadatuzur, Shahadatuzur. This was mentioned three times by Rasulullah. One time he was resting with his back against the wall, and then he got up, and in great emphasis, he asked a question. Instead of just telling us, he asked a question so that we pay attention. He said, Allah adullukum bi akbaril kabair. Lo, verily, behold, Allah, harfu tambi, to attract our attention. Should I not inform you what is the most major of the major sins? It is verily the false testimony, false testimony. So unfortunately, lying has become so common. People are ready to lie. Um, and, you know, ajib, I mean, uh, if you, I have seen in front of the courts in Muslim lands, I don't want to identify which Muslim land, all, unfortunately, wherever it takes place, it's all our ummah. That they're literally... Um, Witnesses for hire. Just, there's like literally an office where you can pick up witnesses and you can pay them and they're ready to testify for your case. I swear, you know, to tell the whole truth. And I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but, but the truth. So help me Allah. One time there was a, uh, two people, they were having a some argument about a matter. They came to our office. This is like 15, 20 years ago, a long time ago. But I still remember that incident to where they were both arguing about a matter. And I had that, it was a 2002. I still remember 2002 version of the Al-Mawrid Arabic English Dictionary. It was a big, thick book. So they were both sitting and then both of them grabbed it, thinking that it must be some tafsir if it's on my desk. <laughs> So they said, we swear by the Qur'an, and both put their hand on the dictionary. <laughs> and, I, and one of them said, I swear by Allah on this Qur'an, it was 2002 Al-Mawrid dictionary, that uh, he is lying what he claims. And he said, I swear by Allah that he is lying what he is claiming about this matter. SubhanAllah. Then I said, you know, I can also, I could, but I'm not going to. I could also swear by Allah, one of you is mal'oon and cursed right now.
So, sorry to change the joke into something serious, but the reality is, each one of them, in the language of their curse, was very, very, very explicit and clear. Did not leave any wiggle room for misunderstanding, because he was saying, "I swear by Allah that this person is lying in this particular claim," and he said, "I swear by Allah he is lying in this particular claim." So, both of them are. I said, "I don't know who." Allah knows, but one of you is mal'oon, right? So this is something we have to be careful about. Don't take this lightly. Wallahu ala ma Allah is witness or what we are saying. Because Allah Ta'ala says, Whenever there's three people have a, are speaking about a private matter, Allah is the fourth one. Whenever there's five, He's the sixth. When there's less or more, Allah is always there. Wherever they may be, not only is recording it, then he will inform them about everything they said on the Day of Judgment. If we just remember this and try our best to re- reflect on this, then inshallah many of our problems would be solved right there. Two things, inna Allah ma'i, or three things, inna Allah ma'i yarani and yasma'u kalami. Verily Allah is with me, He hears what I'm saying and He, is a, and he sees what I'm doing. Yarani, He sees what I'm doing. وَيَسْمَعُ كَلَامِي Here's what I'm saying. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى مَا نَقُولُ وَكِيلٌ So, when he completed the ajal, the question comes, which ajal? So, Abdullah ibn Abbas says that Nabi Musa in fact, all the Anbiya, in fact, Rasulullah and all the Uliya and Sulaha, what did they do? They always take the higher road. They do not take shortcuts. So, they fulfill their promises and they go above and beyond. So whatever um, is stipulated, they fulfill that condition and they go above and beyond the call of duty, whatever is required by the contract. Whatever is required by the contract, they fulfill that and beyond. They don't uh, make shortcuts. Making shortcuts and, and, and trying to um, you know, save money or save the product or save what you are uh, supposed to give, this is, has a specific word in the Quran for this type of sin. It is called tatfif. And Allah Ta'ala says, وَيْلُنْ لِلْمُطَفِّفِينَ if you memorize the 30th juice, you may remember, oh, that's the heart surah, right? You don't want to get stuck. Uh, <laughs> so, destruction for those who do tatfif. Tatfif means you try to cut the corners. Tatfif has many different shapes and forms and ways it can be manifested. And the most common one, unfortunately, particularly like in the industry and workforce, is after the COVID era, is cutting corners on, uh, on the job. Right. So if a person has the contract, he's supposed to check in this time, check out this time. He's supposed to give this much time for, for his company that he's getting paid for. And he doesn't. He just, or um, he's uh, not fulfilling the con- stipulations in the contract. This is all falls under tatfif. A very, very direct or original form of tatfif that Allah Ta'ala is speaking about in, in this ayah. So Allah Ta'ala says that they used to have a scale, right? Like um, going back to the courts, they have the symbol of the scales of justice. So you have two pans on both sides, okay? And one side you will put the standard weights, they would come. And on the other side you put the product you are weighing. Like dates or wheat or meat or whatever the thing you are weighing to sell out. So if somebody bought, for example, one kilogram, so you would take a standard kilogram weight, put it on one side, and it would go down, 
and then on the other side, through gravity, right? And the other side, you keep on putting your produce until it is uh, level. And then you would give it to the customer because he paid the price for one kilogram. The reason I was just explaining this because some young children, they may not have seen such a scale. And additionally, so we can understand the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Meaning that when it is the time for them to pay the gold or the money to someone, they make sure that they try to pay less than what they're supposed to, or they don't, definitely don't pay more. But when it's their turn to measure out the produce, then they cheat. And one way they would be cheating is that the pan or, or the side of the scale that has the weight in it, the kilogram, they would be putting their hand or some object underneath and pushing it up. So, uh, um, so what happens is that it ends up seeming like it's equal when it's less than one kilogram. Um, and our deen teaches us, Rasulullah taught us the exact opposite. Give more than what you're required to give, rather than giving less. Allah Ta'ala says about these people, Do these people not know, do they not realize that they will be resurrected? For a very great day. It's going to be a very great day. Allah Ta'ala is saying, who is the greatest of all greats? And he's saying that is a, truly a great day. That day all mankind shall be rejected in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one is if Allah ta'ala says, hey, the day of judgment is coming. And one is he saying, do you know it's coming? One is he saying, do you not know it's coming? So this is an interrogative, negative question with negation. It's like uh, you tell a boy that I am your father. Or then you say, do you know I'm your father? And then you would say, beyond that, when he's extremely angry or very emphatic statement, he's trying to make a point, he would say, do you not know that I'm your father? So this is what Allah Ta'ala says, Ala Do you not know that you will be resurrected? So Rasulullah when he spoke about weighing, he said, zin warjah. Give zin, weigh it, and make it uh, lower. In Urdu they translate it as jukta tolo. Juktar tolo means that when you're weighing it, uh, when you're measuring it, that we, say I'm selling you wheat or I'm selling you uh, dates, the scale, side of the scale that has the wheat should be lower than the standard kilogram. Not even equal, but lower. It means I'm giving you more. So uh, I will definitely not identify <laughs> where I went, but for example, I went just today, a few some time ago, I went to go get some food for the kids. So they want the kids, the baby, the little children, they like the finger foods, french fries. So there was a box, like the, <laughs> nobody but must have traced where I went, right? But anyway, so the, it was like half filled. So just, I just asked the guy, like, you know, what's up with this? You know, what's, what's the deal here? <laughs> Why is this box half empty? The kids, they're gonna, they, you know, they eat the stuff. So he said that, uh, you know, that's it. I said that, you know, you're doing, uh, it's me. If you are doing kanjusi or if you want to be stingy on like the meat or something, I get it. More expensive, you know, price has gone up. Come on, this is like potatoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, so this is, this is what it is. Jukta told, right? You, you should give more. Give more rather than give less. The thing is, it's, it's a matter of your, uh, the hearts. The hearts are so constricted. Yeah? Rather, and there was a time when people were so generous. 
So Abdullah ibn Abbas anhu says that as a Nabi, he would fulfill his condition and do more. So do you think he took the shortcut out? No, he finished the 10 years. Yeah, that's where you're coming from. And he set forth with his wife. So um, the Quranic language indicates at every step and any time, you know, we, uh, whenever there's a relationship between the husband and wife, we see that the husband is the head of the household. He's the one who is taking. And it wasn't that, you know, she was driving and he was just, uh, you know, sleeping. <laughs> Rather, he was driving. See, it could have been wasarat bi ha. And then she took the journey and carried along her husband, right? Uh, there, 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 that's a possibility too. If he's, if uh, may Allah for, uh, make it easy for a woman, if her husband is handicapped, if her husband uh, got an accident. It's not that he's old or there's a significant age gap, he's 30 years older than her. That's why, you know, she's 50 years old and taking care of an 80 year old husband. That could be a possibility too, but it doesn't have to be that, even if they're the same age. Um, but poor, and he's a young man, but he got into an accident. So, yeah, that's possible. She could be taking him along. That's not wrong. That's actually very commendable, rewarding. However, in normal circumstances, how it's supposed to be is this is there is a role for the husband, there's a role for the for the wife. So we see here that Musa Islam's role as the head of the family was that he was taking undertaking the journey and uh, and she was following along. So this is the journey of life. Whenever you're going any short journey from point A to point B, the hadith of Rasulullah says that there should be an Amir. And you, if, for example, not uh, taking a step back, not from, we're not talking about married couples. We're just talking about a group of men, for example, they're traveling in a caravan for, for trade or for going out in the path of Allah, going for Umrah, going for Hajj, any group, going for anything, going for vacation, going for anything. Rasulullah said, You should make a mashura amongst you and determine who, who will be the Amir of this journey. Not that everybody is going their own way. You should travel together and there should be an Amir. And Nabi Wasallam said, if you don't have an Amir, uh, then who will be your Amir? Shaitan will be your Amir. Right? Uh, so what is the Amir's job? The definition of Amir is not a hard-fisted dictator, not even benevolent dictator, but rather uh, he's the one who Sayyidul Qawmi fi Safari khadimuhum. The Amir of the group is the one who is their khadim. Truly is going to serve them. Like the waft of Abdul Qais. There was a group of young Sahaba from Abdul Qais, the tribe of Abdul Qais, they accepted Islam. And uh, they accepted Islam not on the hand of Nabi Sallallahu on the hand of a Sahaba who had gone out to their area and had invited them towards Islam. So they saw the Sahaba and they accepted Islam. So they were Muslims. They believed in La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. In the time when Muhammad Rasulullah is still alive, but they hadn't seen him. If you believe in La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, and Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu is still alive, in Medina, a couple of days journey away, what do you think you're going to do? What would you do? They were very enthusiastic to go and meet him because he is still alive, the Prophet of Allah. Let's go meet him. But um, finally, they got together and they made, a care, they made a group and then they traveled to Medina. Now, this is the first time they're going to see the Prophet of Allah whom they have believed to be the Prophet of Allah. So you can imagine the level of enthusiasm they had to go and see him. Keeping that background in mind, it makes sense that when they arrived in Medina, they jumped off their camels and they ran into the masjid. The camels, uh, number one, were left untied on a hubble so they could run away, they could escape. And, on, and then 
uh, well, that's good for the camels to get free. But what is a, on the negative side is that on top of the camels was all of their goods. They didn't take it off. So they'd be unnecessarily carrying their burden for extended period of time beyond what is required. So they ran inside. Their leader, he's the Amir. That's the Amir's job. Not to be a dictator and push his way, but rather to serve. What did he do? He made all the camels sit down. He tied them and uh, unhitched all the, the, um, the luggage and all of the cargo that was tied up on them, took it off. The canopies and everything and, the, and um, made the camels relaxed. And he also was coming for the first time. Finally he entered the masjid. So Nabi when he saw him, he praised him. And he said, Verily you have two uh, qualities. That Allah and Rasul love. First is that you are forbearing and forgiving of all of your uh, colleagues and those who are in your group. You did not get upset at them. You did not uh, shout at them. You took their work. And you do things in a very methodological manner with precision, with planning, and in a proper manner. These are the two things that you have, Allah loves. Then he said, Sayyid um, Verily, the leader of the people is the one who is their khadim. So the, when we say here, the husband is the leader of the family, means he is the one who is truly serving the family. So taking care of their needs. Sarah, he traveled, bi'ahli, taking his wife with him. So Anasa, he felt, uh, he noticed, Minjani uh, Bituri from the side of the mountain tour, what did he feel? Nara, fire. He felt the fire. So this was also a period of time when he had actually, it was, uh, you know, from Surah Taha, which was covered previously. Most of you must have been present in Surah Taha. This was covered in detail. What happened? is that it was a cold night, it was a dark night, and on top of that, they had gotten lost. So, uh, it, it was a very, and she was pregnant. So she was pregnant, it's cold, it's dark, it's wet, they're lost, and they're wondering what to do. There's no GPS, global positioning, satellite system, nothing. No one, you know, you can't text anyone for directions. Um, there's no signs in the desert. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah An-Nahl, وَعَلَامَاتُ وَبِالنَّجْمِ هُمْ يَحْتَدُونَ It is through the stars they gain guidance. They, guide, they find the paths in the, in the dark nights. In the, it's basically like you're in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of the desert. It's the same thing. No, no, no signs, no way to know where to go. So he sees a fire. Now the fire, there's a, a lot of ben, potential benefits. Um, most often, more often than not, it won't be something that just came up spontaneously. There may be someone who lit the fire. So there may be someone there who can guide. You can ask directions. Um, so when we were growing up, they didn't have, we didn't have GPS in the 80s. So this was a very common thing. People stop and ask each other for directions. <laughs> and uh, speaking about the wife and the husband, many times the husband would not want to ask directions. <laughs> he said, no, I got it. I can figure it out. And you go with circles and circles and circles. The wife would be saying, okay, you know, Where are you taking us around and around in circles? Why don't you ask the guy on the street? Anyway, so you can ask directions, number one. Number two is um, you can gain warmth from, you can uh, take a burning ember and light your own fire. 
and uh, maybe some source of food, light, warmth, all of that. He told his wife, Um Kusu, wait here, stay here for a moment, right? Um, so that, he's Amir. When he says stay here, she shouldn't just, uh, you know, no, it's okay, I'll go the other direction. <laughs> that'll, that'll be a problem, right? So she, she stayed, she listened. Verily, I see the fire. Perhaps if I go there, I may get a khabar, some news. What type of, he's not looking for the breaking news. The most important news right now is what? How to get out of this place, how to find, get back on the right, on the big pathway, on the big highway. Or I may bring an ember from the fire, so that you may warm yourself. So this is what he told his wife, and he headed to the fire. But when he got there, he was shocked indeed. What happened there? So when he came to it, Nudia, he was called. He was called out. Nada yunadi munadat means to call. Nudia, he was called. He was. It was. He, he was called by a voice. Min shalti ilwadil ayman. On coming from a side of the right valley, right? Alwadil ayman on the right hand side of the valley. Fil bukah al mubaraka in the blessed ground. So this is where Allah subhanahu wa taala speaks to him. By virtue of, that, of the fact that Allah Ta'ala selected this land to speak to Musa alayhi salam, this land became a very blessed, mubarak land. And the sound came mina shadara, from the tree. This tree, as we know, when he came there to find the fire, he saw a big burning uh, bush. And what was unique about the bush is that it's burning and burning and burning, but it is what? Bright green. And it's not turning brown and black, and it's not turning into ashes. It's just green and it's burning. It's like those artificial fly, uh, fires that we have nowadays. That's not a real fire. With not, it's not a natural wood-burning stove. A wood-burning, what is it called? Fireplace. It's one of the artificial ones. So it has an artificial log. And it's burning and burning. What happens to artificial log? It remains exactly as it is, right? So it's like that. So he's looking at it. And he's kind of a strange. Uh, he's kind of weirded out. What in the world is going on? How come this bush is green and it's still burning? He's, and then what happens? He hears a voice. And the voice is not coming from any particular direction from all around and it says ya musa o musa inni ana allahu rabbul alamin verily i am allah the lord of the worlds right so this is a very significant moment this is a, a, a life changing moment for the young musa alayhi salam he's not a baby young young man i would say 40 years of age at this point or mid aged man he has reached the age of wisdom all the anbiya alayhi salam with the exception of isa alayhi salam they received prophethood at the age of 40. As Allah Ta'ala says, this is when all the faculties come to a uh, point of completion. And after that, Ambiya um, continue to gain in strength, but others they continue to go down, downhill from there. Like the sun climbs to the zenith, to the top, and then it goes down. This is a very, very famous and sad Marthiya and poem eulogizing not the death of an individual but the loss of Granada, the last Muslim stronghold in Spain. So the poet, it's a very famous poem where he talks about uh, the pinnacle of the Spanish Muslim Andalus and how it reached its peak and now it is destroyed. Every single thing. When he reaches his pinnacle of greatness, then after that is the decline. 
So all human beings do not fall into deception when you are enjoying good times in life. These are the matters of life, the days and nights of life, the stages of life. or As you would see it or as I would see it, it can be read both ways. It, they keep on fluctuating. If someone is going through a period of time that is making him laugh and happy, he is happy. Other periods of time will come that will make him cry. Allah is the one who makes us laugh and makes us cry. So over here, this was a, a life-changing event for Musa alayhi salam, where now he is receiving prophethood. This is called bi'tha. Bi'tha. Rasulullah received the bi'tha as well uh, at the age of 40. So the parallel for this scene in the life of Rasulullah is what happened to him in Gharaf, Hira, with Jibra'il salam coming and bringing the revelation for Musa salam here. Uh, when we say Musa salam is Kalimullah, had the title of the one who spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, that is, is something unique for Rasul Musa salam above uh, all of the prophets, absolutely, with the exception of Rasulullah salam. Even in this matter, he did not go ahead of Rasulullah in all of these metrics that, of that matter, in all of these variables, Nabi was the greatest. Because he is Sayyid al Awwaleen, he is Sayyid al Akhirin, he is Afdal al Khalqi Ajma'in. Our noble master was the greatest of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he spoke to Allah ta'ala directly as well. Uh, he spoke to Allah ta'ala directly. In Mi'raj, he spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly when he went up to Allah ta'ala. فَأَوْحَى إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ مَا أَوْحَى In Surah Al-Najam, Allah ta'ala says he spoke directly to his sermon. Uh, but over here, besides Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Musa alayhi wa is the only one. That's why he has gotten the title and he deserves the title, Kalimullah. Otherwise, the other prophets, مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ Allah ta'ala spoke to them uh, through the angels, not directly, or inspired them directly in their hearts. Allah Ta'ala spoke to the other prophets. Right? This is the ayah. Allah Ta'ala, whenever He speaks to a prophet, is through wahi, divine inspiration. Uh, the, the, sound comes, the thought comes straight into their heart um, or through the angel. But direct communication, this is what you see here. Like Allah is literally telling him. He can hear it. It's not that thought in his heart. It's not an angel. Directly he hears Allah. Kama yaliqu bi jalalihi as befitting Allah. Right? What a moment. Allah is directly speaking. And this is something we can look forward to in Jannah. Because in Jannah, you know, we will be saying salam to one another. Salamun alaykum. Angels will be saying salam. And then on top of that, salamun. Salam from Allah Himself, the most merciful. Um, and Allah Ta'ala will directly ask us. And we'll be able to hear when you'll gather, Ya Ahlul Jannah, the announcement will be, Oh Jannah, come together. Allah Ta'ala will ask the Ahlul Jannah that, uh, Are you not pleased? What have I given you? Okay, ask more. They will ask, Allah will give them multiple times that. Ask more, Allah will give them multiple. What else? They'll say, We have nothing else to ask. Then Allah will say, I'll give you the, something that is greater than all of the above. That, Inni radin ankum, I'm pleased with you, la askhutu. I will never be. I'm displeased with you, Abada. I give you my Ridwan. This is what is called Waridwan min Allahi Akbar. The pleasure from Allah is the greatest thing to achieve. So Allah is directly communicating, inshaAllah. But over here, the beautiful thing is Allah is communicating with Musa alayhi salam 
on earth, right? Before Jannah. Inni Allah, verily I am Allah, Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of the worlds. What's the definition of Alameen? Al-Alamu kullu Allah. Everything in existence besides Allah is called Alam. Simple as that. Every single thing in existence besides Allah is Alam. So Allah is the Lord of the Alameen. Meaning He's the Lord of what? Every single thing in existence besides Him. Because every single thing in existence besides Him is His creation. There's no third category. The sole creator and everything else that is, exists is His creation. So He is the Rabb, everything else is Marbub. He is the Khaliq and everything else is Makhluq. Rabbul Alameen. And then moving forward, He says, okay, وَأَنْ أَلْقِي And throw down, عَصَاكَ your staff. So He was carrying staff, everyone knows about His staff. The one He talks about in detail in Surah Taha, He doesn't talk too much about it here. Uh, and He starts talking about what it does and how He uses it. فَلَمَّا رَآهَ تَهْتَزُوا When He saw it moving, as if it is this big snake. Typically a snake in the Arabic is hayya, but over here is a big, big snake, serpent. It's like a, a gigantic one. Um, when he saw it, walla mudbiran, he turned back in retreat. Walla, he turned, and he turned mudbiran, meaning 180 degrees. Right? So the side of the face is called uh, um, so when a person does 90 degrees, turns away, it's called i'rad. And when a per- dubar is the back. When a person turns his back 180 degrees, it's called mudbiran. So walla mudbiran, he turned around completely. And walam yu'aqib, he did not look back. Uh, right? So the, uh, so the heels is a'aqab. Like Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Be careful about the heels. Do not cover the heels with your lower garment, make sure, make sure you, cover, you wash the heels in wudu. So the heels are, uh, so when you turn around your heels, is, he did not turn back on his heels. He did not look back. He's so afraid, he's running away. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya Musa, um Musa, aqbil, come, come forward. Do not be afraid. You are one of those in peace. So, um, there are two different opinions about um, the permissibility or beyond, if not permissibility about the advisability or whether it's recommended or not recommended to do something called iqtibas. Iqtibas is when you use different ayat of the Quran in daily life and you make it those uh, quotations part of your speech. So for example, um, if um, some people are engaged in something and Maybe, for example, uh, there is a person who is visiting in the Darussalam seminary for the first time, and he's a young student, he's applying in the program, and there's a level of apprehension, level of anxiety, what's going to happen, who's going to test me, I'm going to go through the you know, exam process, admission exam process. So he comes and he sees some great ulama, not some jahil student like me, but some mashayikh perhaps who very have that uh, level of, you know, they're awe-inspiring individuals. So if he comes in, he says, oh my God, there's great scholars here, they're engaged in some important meeting, turns around to go away. So sometimes the ulama, they would, they would just call him. They, maybe if his name is Musa, they wouldn't say, yeah, Musa, that part, they skip that one. But they would start from, come here, don't be afraid. Verily, you are among those in peace. So what are you doing? You're taking an eye of the Quran, and you're using it in real life. So some scholars say, it's, it's beautiful. And you know, you are so much in tune with the Quranic ayat, and it's just like, it's, you know, it's part of your life, you're, you're applying the ayat to a given situation, etc., etc. And the only reason it's 
and I also personally believe and some of our teachers were also of the opinion that it, if it is done like that and there's no reason why it should be impermissible because you're respecting the ayat of the Quran but some who say it's not they also have a respectable opinion they say that uh, potentially this may be disrespectful to the Quran or you know this is not uh, the Quran is something for us to recite with tilawa with the dabbar there's a particular context for it why are you taking out of context and applying it to your random situation to your mundane uh, you know life experience so they also have a particular view which is respected uh, because they're coming from the position of respecting the Quran and the, those who say it's permissible they're not trying to disrespect the Quran they're just saying that we love the Quran we love it so much we love every ayah we love every story and we want to bring it to life so there are so many examples of this this is, this is one ayah that people have been uh, I mean I've come across uh, where they say some people are eating I remember one time I came across some scholars or some students were eating and, they said, and I was going by they said no 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 Aqbil come for why are you not afraid why are you afraid to join us come join us in the meal um, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, showing here what is the main uh, thing he's teaching Musa alayhi salam right Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have given him you know information beforehand could have given him the memo watch watch out you know what's going to happen that this stick that you have I'm going to show you a trick I'm going to show you a miracle this is what's going to happen give him all the instructions guidelines you're going to throw it right after you throw it then what's going to happen it's going to turn into a snake like for example if, you, if there's proper trained medical staff you go for any procedure uh, uh, if they're proper if they're not then you know the opposite may happen as well so it's not always the case but they'll tell you okay if you're going to do the following procedure this is how I'm going to take your arm this is the IV I'm going to give fulan fulan they give you all the stuff Right? If you are get caught up with the TSA, I'm going to be examining you like this. I'll be using the back of my hand and I shall do it. <laughs> All right, in this way I will. So they tell you, he, Allah Ta'ala could have said it. But why did he surprise him? What's the point of the shock and awe? What's the point of the surprise? Is that just to have fun? It's not a practical joke here. There's a lesson. What's the lesson? The lesson is that something that you think is so beneficial, you're singing his praises and saying, you know, um, I lean on it I take the staff and I hit the branches and the leaves fall and I feed my goats and my sheep I have so many benefits from the staff so something that you think is very very beneficial for you in, a, in, in an instant I can make that turn that into something very harmful for you so harmful, so scary, so threatening that you're running away something which is beneficial can turn into something harmful in an instant so all benefit and all harm comes from Allah and Allah alone. From that which is beneficial, He can end up harming you. From that which is harmful, He can end up benefiting you. So there's la dar wa la nafi' illa Allah. No one can harm, no one can benefit except for Allah. Allahumma la mani'a lima a'tayta wa la mu'ti'a lima mana'ta wa la radda lima qadayta wa la yanfa'u dal jaddi min kal jadd. Right? Allahumma la mani'a lima a'tayta. Oh Allah, whatever blessing you want to give me, no one can stop it. Wa la radda lima qadayta. If you want to prevent something from me, no one can grant it to me. Allah Ta'ala is the one that is in control of all affairs. This is the aqidah, this is the tawheed that Allah Ta'ala is teaching Musa alayhi salam. فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ لَا ضَارَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ لَا نَافِعَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ لَا مُعِزَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ لَا مُذِلَّ إِلَّا اللَّهِ هُوَ الْمُحِي هُوَ الْمُمِيت Right? Who al-mudhik, who al-mubki. He's the one who brings life and death. He makes you laugh and cry. He is the one who's in control of all affairs. Rasulullah similarly sat down and taught the Sahaba the Yaqeen. 
Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhuma in the well-known hadith when he was a young boy he said that Allah Ta'ala as the Rasul وسلم, he taught me about Allah he taught me Tawheed when I was a young boy and he said Ya Ghulayim oh dear boy Ihfadillah Ihfad be punctual about the orders of Allah and Allah will guard you and and when you seek help seek help only from Allah Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'in know for a certain fact if all the human beings and all the jinn of the world get together to benefit you they want to benefit you they cannot benefit you in the least except for that which Allah has decreed and if all the human beings and all the jinn of the world want to gather together to harm you they cannot harm you in the least except for that which Allah has decreed so this is what he's teaching him teaching him iman teaching him yaqeen ya Musa Come back. Do not be afraid. You are among those who are in peace and safe and secure. Insert your hand into your side by, well, under his arm and take it back out. It will come out. It will be white and shining, but not because it has lost its pigmentation and it is becoming a, a sick hand or there's some reaction. No. It's shining, not out of sickness. من غير سوئن. وَاضْمُمْ إِلَيْكَ جَنَاحَكَ مِنَ الرَّحَبِ Press your arm to your side. This will remove your fear and give you comfort. فَذَانِكَ بُرْحَانَانِ مِنْ رَبِّكَ These are two proofs from your Lord sent to Fir'aun وَمَلَئِهِ and his leaders and his chiefs. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ Verily they are transgressing people. So crossing the limits is, uh, is called fisq. Like voice is the mouse that is sometimes inside and then it comes outside, crosses. And then you're going to catch it, it crosses. When it crosses the limits, it's called fisk. So crossing the bounds of transgression is a fasiq, a sinner. So these are signs, miracles. What is a miracle known in the Arabic language? Mu'ajiza. Mu'ajiza means that, comes from the word i'jaz. And i'jaz means that which makes your opponent ajiz. And ajiz means to be weak and powerless. So mu'ajiza is that a'jaza yu'ajizu i'jaz fahuwa mu'ajiz that which makes your opponent incapable, weak, powerless to be able to match what you have brought. So a prophet of Allah is proving that he is uh, claiming to be receiving revelation from Allah and speaking on behalf of Allah. And when the opposition says, can you bring a proof? He brings a miracle, a mu'ajiza and says, can you match this? So then the opposition is ajiz, powerless to match it. That is what linguistically the word mu'ajizah means. These are true evidences that Fir'aun and all of his magicians will not be able to match as we have heard and as we will see. So Musa salam, he does not forget the fact that he committed some mistake in the past, which was not an intended mistake, but an unintended. Right? It wasn't a homicide, it was an accidental you know, death that took place. Allah, he said, Rabbi, O my Lord, inni qataltu minhum nafsan. Verily, I have killed a man amongst them. Fa'khafu, I'm afraid, an yaqtuluni, they will kill me. So you're sending me back to go and talk to Fir'aun when Fir'aun has put out a warrant for my arrest to bring me to death, dead or alive, bring him to me. That is the reason I ran away from there. Now you're sending me directly back to the hornet's nest, right to the throne of Fir'aun. And then he asked Allah Ta'ala for a helper. He said, وَأَخِي my brother Harun, هُوَ أَفْصَحُ مِنِّي لِسَانًا This is a part of the resume that he presented. 
he is more eloquent than me in speech. This teaches us as well that being eloquent in speech is something that is desirable, something we should work hard on to improve on, not for the sake of impressing, but to be able to be impactful in our da'wah. Sometimes there is this misunderstanding that if we are trying to learn how to formulate our thoughts in an effective manner, if you're learning to speak properly, then, then that means that, that by default means you are insincere. And you should just speak from your heart, whatever thoughts come in any haphazard manner. That's actual sign of sincerity. But if you prepare notes and you're methodological in your approach and you're working hard to have a coherent message, that means you're just uh, focusing on the words and not on the meanings. You're focusing on the outward appearance and not worried about actually impacting the heart. So there is this notion out there which is a mistaken notion. And certain things are said in this regard. For example, it is also said that the position of speech in da'wah, in inviting, is like that of the tongue in the body. So what is the position of the tongue in the body? It's so small. And so likewise, speeches are not important. Whereas the hadith tells us, well, even if you take that example which is wrong, the position of the speech of the tongue in the body is what? A big position. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he held his tongue and he said, you know, do you not know oh, what will take the people into the fire of Jahannam and throw them headlong but what is earned from their tongues its size is small and its impact is large so people are saying oh speeches are like the tongue yeah exactly it's like the tongue and more because the tongue is so important yes it is true that if we are focused so much on beautifying the words and improving the diction and ensuring you know the sound system is good the words are good it's crisp and clear pronunciation is great uh, impact is there and just raising the voice when it's supposed to be raised and lowering it when it should be and sounding so nice and but you're not focused on the meaning you're not focused on implementing what you are teaching or worrying genuinely that you know my, people should take the message to heart and change their lives there's no concern there's no hum and hum and fikr that's wrong. Undoubtedly that's wrong. But, uh, so instead of talking about, you know, so how should we approach this? We should say, hey, let's go beyond the words. But we don't have to negate the impact of speaking eloquently. So, um, if you have never come across uh, such uh, people who say such things, then it doesn't matter. You don't know what I'm talking about. And if you have, then you know what I'm talking about. So there are people who say, don't, 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 don't worry about the words. Like, why, why are you worried about you know, speaking uh, with fasaha. So there's two things. One is fasaha, one is balagha. Fasaha, over here we see that Harun salam is fasih. Musa salam is mentioning that as a fact to, in his credit. Uh, as a positive remark about him. Huwa afsahu minni. Afsah fasih means that what you are saying is clear. And people can understand what you're saying. Musa salam, you know, had a impediment, speech impediment, he would stutter. That's why we have the ayah where Fir'aun is mocking him. Am I not better than this narrating a statement of kufr is not kufr. We're not believing this, we're narrating the ayah of the Quran wherein Allah is narrating what Fir'aun said. He said, am I not better than this maheen means a disgraceful man who has uh, low lineage 
and is despicable. A man better than the despicable man. He cannot even speak clearly. It's hard to understand what he's saying. Right? So he had that stutter. And ironically, who is he? Kalimullah. The one who spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his brother, so he has this problem. That's why he is appreciating. You know, this is a human psychology is that whatever blessing we do not have and others have, then we value that more, right? So the blind person will value the, the one who can see and the deaf can value the one who can hear and likewise. The one who cannot walk, the handicapped will, will value the one who is healthy and strong. And the one who has a blessing may not value it. So he is appreciating the fact that his brother is Fasih. Fasih means to speak clearly. This is an issue that we have with many people. They do not speak clearly. Now, if they're random people, we can go up to them and say, hey, you don't speak clearly. When they are students, we tell them, brother, you got to end up speaking clearly. How are you going to communicate the message of Allah and Rasul if people can't understand what you're saying? Stop mumbling. Right? When we have speech class, etc. <laughs> so we say, hey, start. You have to speak clearly, loudly. Right. Another thing is, I may, I may be just reminder to myself as well. Sometimes when you're speaking, you got to speak right into the mouse, uh, right into the microphone, like you are, you know, uh, uh, smelling the rose. Right. <laughs> that's the that's the tip. Uh, so you bring it close. So sometimes it's it's just somewhere else and you're speaking. So it's so far away. Um, so we have to speak closely to the microphone. Make sure people can hear. This is, a resp- this is uh, the responsibility of the speaker. Uh, you cannot be in a state of such a ghafla. People hear what you're saying, can't hear what you're saying. So this is fasaha, to speak clearly, to speak loudly. And balagha is to speak in a manner that is effective. It impacts the audience. Balagha is an yakun al-kalamu bi al-hal. That your speech is in accordance with the uh, setting, the situation. Um, so if it is occasion of happiness is the marriage you, this is not the opportunity to speak about ahkam of talaq right the rulings of child custody upon divorce or a division of assets right do you think so no ahkam and if it's a, if it's a funeral then uh, you know then you will not be talking about you know the fiqh of walima or something so you have to speak according to the occasion According to the audience, speak to people at the level of their intelligence. So, um, you know, sometimes if there are more uh, a high uh, academic level, the students are at a higher academic level, um, and if you speak at a very basic level, they may feel that this is insulting to their intelligence. And if people are at a lower academic level and you're speaking very high, they will say that you are also insulting us by, you know, uh, emphasizing the fact that you have no idea what you're talking about, right? Or you are trying to be arrogant and show off. So speak according to the level of people. Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he spoke to the kings of the time. He wrote them, wrote letters to them, and he also spoke to the children. You know, he spoke to the Bedouins, the unlettered, illiterate people at their level. So that is called balagha. سمجھ میں بات صاف آ جائے فصاحت اس کو کہتے ہیں اثر ہو سننے والوں پر بلاغت اس کو کہتے ہیں right. so if you can understand clearly what is being said that's called fasaha if it has an impact on your audience that's called balaha and both of them are mentioned in the Quran in fasaha Allah Ta'ala says here وَأَفْصَحُوا مِنِّي لِسَانًا بَلَاغَ Allah Ta'ala says وَقُلْ لَهُمْ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ قَوْلًا بَلِيغًا 
Speak to them. This is a command, Amr, imperative verb, fi'al Amr, command. Qul lahum, O my Nabi, speak to them. Fi anfusihim qawlan baligha, in such a manner that it will be impactful. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sometimes he would be explaining things so- softly and uh, expanding the thing as a teacher. Sometimes, ka'annahu mundhiru jayshin, as if he is ar- uh, arousing the, ba- uh, the army to battle, on the eve of the battle. You know, and tahmar kana tahmar aina. His eyes would become red, speaking loudly and passionately at times. So, if if you're about to attack the enemy is in front of you and you're giving the final uh, speech, you know you're not going to be like breaking down concepts on a board, right? You need to be very very impactful. At this. Like like Tariq bin Ziyad said, "Oh my fellow men, who loves their wives?" Yes, who loves their beautiful children? Who wants to see their homeland? Who wants every? Who, yeah, you want to see all that? Then look down into the from the mountain top, Jabal Tariq. What do you see? The ships are ablaze. Who burned them? I am the guilty one in front of you. I have burned your ships. Whoever wants to see any of their beloved ones again, the only way to go back is to go forward. If you win on the battle tomorrow, then you shall see them again. And if you fail tomorrow, you will never see anyone. You cannot escape, as I have burned the ships. Right? So that's the type of Powerful speech that sometimes it has to be given. Allah Akbar. Harun, my brother Harun, he is more eloquent than me in speech. He knows how to give a good speech. I can, I can barely speak. I am Karimullah. Ironically, he is Karimullah. Farsil Humaya, send him with me. Ridan. Ridan is the one uh, who rides behind you on the camel. Right, when you have the first, the Rakib, the, there's the one who's leading and the one who comes behind you. Send him with me as a helper. Uh, to testify to me what I'm saying. When I'm speaking, he can say, yes, he's the truthful and carry on the message. And verily I'm afraid they will, keep, they will belie me. They will say you're a liar. So alhamdulillah, this is a human nature. We need support, we need help. We should help one another. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Help one another to do righteous deeds. Birr is fi'ilul khayrat. Taqwa is tarkul munkarat. Help one another to do good deeds. Help one another to uh, save yourself from sins. Wala ta'awanu ala al-ithmi wal-udwan. Itham is sins that you do your, harm yourself. Udwan is harming others. Wala ta'awanu. Don't help one another in sins. So we should be agents of positive change. We should help each other in good deeds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Sana shuddu adudak. We will strengthen your arm. This is a figurative speech. It doesn't mean that he's going to increase the muscle mass in his biceps. But it means that he will strengthen your arm like figuratively. He will give you, you know, he, is, he will be your right arm. Be a khika with your brother. Harun al uh, interestingly, uh, side note trivia, was an older brother. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was killing, Firon was killing off all his kids, but then there was a shortage in the labor force. Uh, so, so then, he didn't know what to do, but then he said, okay, I'll take my chances. I'll kill the kids one year and let them live one year. So Harun al-Islam was born which year? When the kids were being, uh, not, were not being killed. And Musa al-Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to show that no matter what you plan, I will save my, son, my Nabi Musa. He ensured he was born in the year when the kids were being killed. And he made sure he was raised by Firon, where in his palace. And his own mother was receiving a stipend from the government gold coins to feed her own baby, subhanAllah. 
your brother. We shall be giving you such a power. They will not be able to cause you harm because of our signs. So the Anbiya, they have the divine protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the divine protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is directly linked with the fact that they are doing da'wah. We'll be ending now, inshaAllah. So like Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhar Rasul, O my Prophet, Ballig, do tabligh, ballig, ballaga, you ballighu tabligh, do tabligh, propagate the message, ballig ma unzila ilayk, what has been revealed unto you from your Lord. Uh, and if you do this, Allahu ya'asimuka miran nas, Allah will protect you from your enemies. So when this ayah was revealed, the Prophet came out from his room and he told his guard that you are now dismissed. So when should I come back, Ya Rasulullah? Never. <laughs> On this job. There's no more guard. So the guard, the Nabi Sallallahu initially had a guard. But after this ayah was revealed, he didn't have a guard. Like no guard whatsoever. Even in the heart of the enemy land. He, had, he didn't have a guard. That is why the famous incident occurred when they had separated and they were resting. Right? And all the Sahaba, he was resting under a tree. Nabi Sallallahu what did he do? He hung his sword in the branch above his head. And he was sleeping. And then one mushrik came all the way up to Rasulullah Wasallam, grabbed the sword and, and, uh, and took it out, pointed at Nabi Wasallam, and said, Man minni. Who will guard you? Who will save you from me today? Who will defend you? Who will protect you? So Nabi Wasallam woke up when he heard this challenge. And with so much conviction, he said, Allah. So when he said that, the mushrik, he trembled in fear. And the sword dropped from his hand. Nabi Sallallahu quickly grabbed it and asked the same question. Now who's going to defend you from me? So he had no response. He just said, Kun That you be the better bearer of the sword from the two. When I, I, I had the sword, I was going to kill you. And you have the sword, don't kill me. <laughs> because you can be the better one. It's a very nice way to get out of the situation. <laughs> so Nabi Sallallahu let him go. And he went back and said, min khayrin nas. I come to you from the best of mankind. So, this is the same thing here. فَلَا يَصِلُونَ إِلَيْكُمَا Nabi Wasallam in fact said, نُصِرْتُ بِالرُّعَبِ Allah has given me His divine help through ru'ab. By throwing, putting, uh, placing my fear in the hearts of my enemies when they are one month's distance away from me. Don't worry, you will have protection from Allah. You and whoever follows you, you will all be victorious. I mean, I can keep on going, but um, I think maybe this is, a good, uh, this is a good ending. Why not? Because victory, who does not want to be victorious? Allah Ta'ala is saying to Musa and Harun you do the effort of da'wah, you go and invite towards me, don't worry, you will be victorious. So likewise, call to action for us is that we implement this deen in our lives. We give da'wah through our actions, through our akhlaq. Then we will have the divine protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us all victory in all our affairs. Particularly our dear beloved brothers and sisters in the Gaza who are still under bombardment. Non-stop, the world is watching. We make dua for them as well. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad wa barik wa sallam Allahumma ansar ikhwana al-musadafeen ya Rabbil Alameen Allahumma sirhum, Allahumma thabbithum Allahumma thabbith aqdamahum, Allahumma sabbirhum sabran jameela Allahumma kun ma'ahum aliyum wa nasira Allahumma shi mardana murat al-muslimin Wa rahmahu ta'ana murat al-muslimin Oh Allah, oh Allah 
O oh Allah, grant us the understanding of these ayat, grant us the understanding of the Quran. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, fill our hearts with yaqeen, fill our hearts with iman, fill our hearts with, O oh Allah, beautiful attributes and qualities. Remove the impurities from our heart, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Grant us steadfastness and istiqamah and iman. Allah us to live as Muslims, die as Mu'mins, and resurrect us with the righteous ones. O oh Allah, grant us your pleasure, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yusifun. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.